0: Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney, Darian, and Hannah. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider, such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello there, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, we're talking all about how your environment impacts your choices and how to carefully curate it to support your wellness. Oftentimes, people think that building better habits is all about willpower or motivation. We often hear people say, I need to get motivated to improve my nutrition habits. And we actually did record a podcast all about motivation. So we do recommend you go back and listen to it. Um, But while willpower and motivation are really helpful characteristics to adopt or to have when you're building new habits, uh, we actually believe that a carefully curated environment can have a greater impact on your success so imagine if your environment, your home, your office, your social media was crafted in a way that made supportive behaviors easier and unsupportive behaviors harder. How often would you make aligned choices if they were simply the default response to your environment? How much easier would that be than trying to motivate yourself all the time? In this podcast, we will explore how your environment is impacting your choices and what you can do to improve it. So before we dive in, we just want to share that Hannah is back on the podcast for today's episode, so we're so excited to have her joining us.
1: Yes, I'm excited to be back.
0: (laughs) And in alignment with the past uh, couple episodes of the podcast, before we dive into the content, we just want you to get to know us a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. our question that we've been asking on each podcast episode is, what is the best thing you've eaten this past week? So, Hannah, maybe you kick us off.
1: Sure. Okay. So, I had a little bit of um, warning that this question was coming. So, I did look up what the meal was because I got HelloFresh this week. And I had this Moroccan spiced turkey bowl that was so good. And now I'm definitely going to say the recipe and make it again. So, that was definitely the best thing I had. Mm, Awesome. That sounds really good. Oh, best thing I had...
2: To be completely honest, so I was in a weightlifting meet this past weekend and we had swan pizza after, and it just hit so, so good. <laughs> that is awesome. I've never had their pizza, but I've heard great things. Oh, it was delicious.
0: <laughs> Mine was definitely carrot cake. Anyone who knows me knows I love carrot cake. I'm always on the hunt for the best carrot cake. I think I've tried most of the carrot cakes at different restaurants in Saskatoon. But this past weekend, I actually made a homemade carrot cake and I was so proud of myself. I thought it was so good. Darien actually it had. Was slice. good actually. <laughs> if I could change my answer, it'd probably be carrot cake. But it was it was a ten out of ten. Thanks, Dee. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into our content about how to curate your environment. The first tip that we have is to create supportive cues in your environment. <laughs>
2: Every habit is initiated by a cue, and we're more likely to notice cues that stand out to us. So oftentimes environments where we live and work make it easier to not do certain actions because there's no obvious cue to trigger that behavior. So just as a kind of simple example, it's easy not to drink water when you don't have a water bottle on your desk, or maybe you don't take your vitamins when they're out of sight or hidden in your pantry.
1: Yeah, so when cues that spark a habit are subtle, hidden, or absent, then they are easy to ignore. Thankfully, there is good news in this respect. You can become the architect of your environment. When you understand the habits that would support your health and wellness, you can create intentional cues in your environment to make those habits easier to adopt.
0: Yeah. So if you want to make a habit a big part of your life, make the cue a big part of your environment. Um, Because if we think about it, like the most persistent behaviors usually have multiple cues to them. So we want to create multiple cues in the environment for whatever habit we're looking to adopt. So kind of building on the examples that Mm -hmm. Darian shared, if you want to drink more water, like leave as many cues in your environment (laughs) to drink more water as you can. Mm -hmm. For me, that's carrying a water bottle with me. It's on my desk when I'm Mm -hmm. working with clients. It's in my backpack. But I mean, it could be leaving, you know, a glass of water on the counter or by your bedside table, Um, kind of piggybacking on Darian's other example with vitamins. Like if it's tucked in the pantry, you won't see it. So put in a put the vitamins in a place where you see them every day. I know for a lot of people, you know, they're motivated to drink their coffee. They don't need a cue for that. So put the vitamins by the coffee machine or maybe, you know, by your toothbrush in the bathroom. Um, This kind of bridges on the concept of habit latching, which is to latch a habit or a new habit onto a habit that you already have. So brushing your teeth, drinking coffee, those are pretty staple habits for people. So For example, if you want to drink water or take your vitamins, um, put a glass of water by the coffee maker, a toothbrush or the vitamins. Definitely. It's
2: like sprinkling those little triggers throughout your surroundings. Um, It's going to increase the odds that you're going to think
0: about
1: it more in your day. Yeah.
0: So do you guys have any cues you've recently built into your environment for supportive habits?
1: Yeah. So one that I have started to do probably over the last couple of months is I take out All the ingredients that I need to make my breakfast the night before, um, so they're on the counter and ready to go. I make protein pancakes every morning, Mm -hmm. um, so I have all the ingredients there so that when I come down in the morning, it's all ready to go, and I don't even have to think about what I'm going to have or spend time getting it ready. Mm -hmm, That's a good one. What about you, Court?
0: Yeah, mine's actually not nutrition related, though we will talk about some specific nutrition cues that you can create in your environment. But mine was actually um, lip balm because <laughs> my lips are really chapped this winter and I was just kind of rolling with it. And then I realized, like, I need to <laughs> um, build some cues into my environment. So I put one in my car, my backpack, my bedside table. And now I'm feeling like my lips are much more moisturized. They look moisturized. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so kind of building on this concept of creating supportive cues, we have some very specific examples for cues that can be helpful from a nutrition perspective. Um, So our first tip is to meal prep for success.
2: Yeah, we've probably all heard the common tip to meal prep if you want to be successful with your nutrition habits. But most of us often think of meal prep as like Tupperware of rice, steamed broccoli, and like boiled chicken, and that's (laughs) definitely not our perspective of meal prep. Um, It can simply mean just having a few ingredients prepared ahead of time that will make for a fresh meal that will come together very quickly. Or even just offer you a few grab-and-go snacks. So, for example, um, barbecuing some chicken that you can add to wraps or sandwiches or bowls throughout the week. Or uh, hard-boiling eggs to have on hand for a snack.
1: May I just say that I did not eat hard-boiled eggs until, like, the last, like three months and now like literally never i never had hard-boiled eggs and now i've been on such a hard-boiled egg kick. like man with some salt and pepper yeah they slap
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feel like they really stick with you through the day too yeah. so they're an awesome snack. Mm-hmm. yeah i've been enjoying them quite often as well <laughs>
1: Yeah, so other things that you could, you know, prep ahead of time would be things like baking. So baking some muffins that maybe you pair with some cheese that's even already sliced up in the fridge. Um, Cooking, batch cooking grains I find is super helpful Mm -hmm. because I find that I really kind of sometimes struggle with finding that carb or that fiber-filled carb that we talk about with a meal Um, that's quick, right? You can eat bread, you can eat crackers for sure, but sometimes it gets a little bit redundant. So if I have some quinoa or I have some rice or potatoes that are already made, it's so easy to add into literally any meal.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah I was doing that with sweet potatoes for breakfast and it was Mm -hmm. so nice. It felt Mm -hmm. like uh, a more elaborate meal but it was super quick.
1: And the last one I find a lot of clients struggle with is adding veggies Mm -hmm. um, into the day and so having your veggies washed and chopped um, Uh right when you get from the grocery store or I mean you could always buy the ones that are already like Washed and in the bag themselves, um, but then it's just way easier just to grab as a snack or to grab to balance out a meal.
0: Yeah, and Hannah, you actually shared kind of a great tip near the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast. Is we actually find a lot of clients are quite successful when they rely on a meal prep service, like you know, there's HelloFresh or Chef's Plate, and maybe there's some other companies as well. But you know, that meal is partially prepped in the fridge, and you're probably going to be motivated to make it so it doesn't go to waste. So. Yeah, another great way to have a bit of meal prep ready to go. Yeah,
1: totally. I've been loving getting HelloFresh actually. Like we've and plus it's like nice to have different recipes and different mm-hmm. ideas like that. If you're in a food rut, I think it's an awesome way to kinda of get out of it. Um but yeah, like you said, it's like, well, there's a bag full of food that's already almost a recipe. I'm not gonna let it go to waste. So
0: Yeah, and I shared this tip actually on Instagram a while ago, but like Hannah shared she has the recipe card now so she can recreate the mm-hmm. recipe just by purchasing ingredients at the grocery store. But I also noticed that on their website they post all yeah. their recipes for free. So honestly, if you you know have time to make homemade meals um, and you don't need the meal prep service but you're looking for new ideas, go on their website. Um, yeah, it's a, just a really great spot to find new recipes. Mm-hmm.
2: Is there a food that you guys always have prepped and ready in your fridge?
0: Mine would be hard-boiled eggs. I know oh. we're kind of beating that <laughs> one <laughs> into the ground, but I love hard-boiled eggs, so I'll often have mm-hmm. – uh, like quite a big batch Mm -hmm. (laughs) of hard-boiled eggs ready to add to snacks throughout the week
1: yeah what about you Darian um lately I've been
2: having the kind of blender banana muffins from the blog on hand and I'll throw keep those in the fridge and then I'll grab one as a snack in the afternoon with some peanut butter on it or if I need just a kind of pick me up anytime
1: yeah nice (laughs) I would say that probably chicken is honestly the one that mm-hmm. I have on hand just because it's the easiest protein for mm-hmm. me. Um, so, like, make, like, three chicken breasts, honestly, at the beginning of the week. And then if I don't have a protein to add to a sandwich yeah. or a salad or a bowl or whatever, then I can just throw that in.
0: Our second tip is to utilize convenience foods. And we actually talked about this mm-hmm. in our – what episode was it? Um, I think it was, like, like our meal tips – prep? Yeah, our tips for meal prep. So you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, but when we think of convenience foods, like I think a lot of times people think, oh, okay, chips, sodas, candies, chocolate. However, in our opinion, convenience food is just really any food that has a little bit of work done to it to make it easier for the consumer. Um, so there's lots of nutritious convenience foods available at the grocery store, and so relying on them just you know makes it easier to have that cue in your environment and to reduce the effort that it takes to put a meal together.
1: Totally. I think that this is an area that I love to lean on a lot. Um, And so, for instance, you know, I talked about the veggies and maybe not having um, the veggies ready and that being harder to eat them. So Mm -hmm. I'm a Big supporter of bag salads. Mm-hmm. Always have some of those, and they're always coming out with different flavors. So I like to experiment. Um, sometimes, honestly, even if it's a busy week, I might even opt to get a veggie tray yeah. um, just because I know I'm going to eat those veggies because they look so dang good in that tray. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Other great ones in terms of like this vegetable and fruit category would be like, I know both Hannah and Darian were relying on those frozen mm-hmm. peppers mm-hmm. and onion mix. So they're yep. cut up ready to go. Um, and you store them in the freezer, and then you can just add them, saute them, add them to omelets, mm-hmm. quesadillas. Um, and there's lots of great frozen items like that yeah. that are really quick. Yeah, so good. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Some protein options would be, you know, rotisserie chicken, Mm -hmm. even lean deli meats. Um, Pickled eggs are a good one.
0: Some people would be like, What? Pickled eggs? Yeah. Darren, you've been throwing down on some pickled eggs.
2: I'm lucky my dad will make them. And whenever I go home to visit, he'll send me home with a jar or two. So I love pickled eggs. Awesome. Uh, Beef or turkey jerky, awesome options. Um, canned tuna, smoked
0: oysters. I know Courtney's been throwing down on I love smoked those. oysters. Some of my clients have been eating them. They're like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought I liked this. But crackers, mm-hmm. cream cheese, a little bit of hot sauce, Ooh. which was Darian's tip from yep. the podcast a while ago. So good. Yep. And then, of course, even things like protein
2: bars or protein powders still fall in within that more convenience, like,
0: pre-packaged option. hmm Yeah, there's lots of fats that are quick for on the go, like a portion cheese at you know, different grocery stores. They have all different kinds Mm -hmm. of brands of those little portion cheeses. More packaging, of course, but it's quick to grab. You can throw it with a muffin like Hannah shared. Um, So those are handy. I actually rely on those quite Mm -hmm. often.
1: Other fats would be like pre-made hummuses, guacamole, or tzatziki. And I think dips is something that I have gotten into a lot because I noticed, to go back to my vegetable predicament, um, that if, you know, I pack some carrots with my lunch and no dip, there's a 55% chance it's coming back um, at the end of the day versus if I have a nice dip to eat with my veggies, I am Mm. definitely going to be eating my carrots that day. Yeah, (laughs)
0: absolutely. Um, Other quick items are portion packets of almonds or different nuts. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can portion them them yourself, but if buying that little package makes it more convenient, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's worth it. Um, Another one uh, a lot of my clients have really been jo- enjoying is frozen chunks of avocado. Mm, yeah. You can find them in the freezer section, and they're just so great to add into smoothies. It makes mm. it really creamy and gives it that fat source. Nice. Uh, for carbohydrates,
2: can't like honestly, don't sleep on prepackaged rice packets. I love them; they're so easy if you can microwave them or just heat them up quick. Um,
0: good old air pop popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's a good one going into the summer. I it feel is. like people are looking for, you know, easy yeah. snacks for picnics or barbecues yep. or to take to the beach. So air pop popcorn is nice for that and lots, lots of fiber. Of fiber yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your packaged breads and wraps will fall into this as well. But even the unsweetened little individual oatmeal packages are a really great option as well.
0: Yeah, I find a lot of clients will use those if they're traveling because they can take the oat packets with them, maybe some protein powder, mm-hmm. and they can make a little breakfast, a little protein oat breakfast. It's not something I've had too often, mm-hmm. but a lot of clients say it's really convenient if they're traveling yeah. and they get that, you know, easy oats in the morning, but yeah. then also building in some protein.
2: Yeah, I use them a lot in university, actually. I just mm-hmm. do the unsweetened ones, add some maybe berries to it in my protein powder,
0: and it was awesome. So. Of all these convenience foods, do you guys have a top pick that almost always is in your fridge or is a a go-to? I'll
1: pick two. I'll do the bag salad, and I'll also take the turkey pepperoni sticks. (laughs) (laughs) You'll take those. Um, Well, because
2: I mentioned it, the pickled eggs as of lately... But definitely, I mean, protein bars and protein powder are things that I have on hand, too. Um, and then the frozen veggies option,
0: mm-hmm. veggie options I like to have on hand.
1: Darian literally opened my eyes to that pepper <laughs> and onion mix. And, man, it is so good. So, it yeah, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. I think mine would be coleslaw mix I just love it I use it in our shrimp tacos I just love coleslaw as a side dish Uh, so that's a go-to for me and then yeah the smoked oysters (laughs) those have really been hitting for me so I usually have some of those in the pantry
1: So our third tip for curating your environment is you eat what you see. So as we've discussed, the cues in our environment will trigger the habit and the actions that follow that we take in our lives. So if there are foods you know you want to eat more of, like vegetables, fruits, proteins, whole grains and healthy fats, then we can consider how you can make them more visible in your environment. Um, So one example would be leaving a bowl of fresh fruit
0: on the counter. So then you're seeing that fresh fruit and it's a reminder to build it into your meals or to have it for a snack. Another example would be to leave a protein bar in your office drawer, backpack or car in case
2: you need a snack on the go. I know myself, I have one in my gym bag, my car, kind of just
0: anywhere at all times, just in case. Mm -hmm. Another one would be to just do some rearranging of your pantry. So maybe you put the whole grains, the nuts and seeds, the canned vegetables, the canned oysters, if you're like (laughs) me, at eye level so you're seeing them and it's that reminder to build them into your meals. They're just easier to access. Mm
1: -hmm. And then Courtney already touched on this one, but... For instance, if you wanted to drink more water, carrying a water bottle with you, leaving that glass of water on your nightstand before bed so it's ready for you in the morning, um, or chill some sparkling water. I know Courtney has been like the queen of sparkling water recently. (laughs) There's bottles all over the office. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And leave that water at eye level in the fridge. Um, I actually had a client who even – had like, she's like, oh, I'll drink water if it's in those like um, Starbucks cups that you can buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I put eight in my, oh, she must have a huge fridge, but she's like, I put eight in the morning and then I like just go through them at the day. And she's like, that's how I get my water. In. And I'm like, hmm, whatever works, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I've had a few clients say if there's a straw in yeah, their bottle, yeah, they're yeah. more likely to drink water. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I also had a client recently share um, with me that she saw a TikTok that suggested that you rearrange your fridge so that all your vegetables and fruits are in your doors um, or at that eye level place and then all your condiments that would usually be in your fridge doors go into your drawers um, which is a bit of a tongue tongue twister um, but they go into your drawers because you'll search for condiments whereas like you won't necessarily search for vegetables and I mean this is just anecdotal evidence, she's had great success. She said that there has never been, or she hasn't had any food go to waste in like a few months. Um, So I've been suggesting that to clients too.
0: Tip number four is out of sight, out of mind. So later in the podcast, we're going to talk about why we don't recommend eliminating foods from your environment. However, if you find there's a certain food you might be mindlessly grazing on or not really intentional um, in choosing, then it might be worth considering your environment design and rearranging things. So for example, if the potato chips are the first thing you see when you open the pantry, it's more likely that you're going to choose them maybe when you get home from work and you're mm-hmm. super hungry and you're looking for a meal or snack. So instead, you might just pop them up on the higher shelf and like we shared before, maybe moving the whole grains, the nuts and seeds to that eye level. You can also also think of this with you know different foods. Maybe if you have a bowl of candy or chocolate on your desk, it's creating that cue to think about candy and chocolate all day. So you might be more likely to reach for it. And eat more of it compared to if it's tucked away in the pantry or in a drawer. Then, if you want to have it, it's maybe because you've just kind of thought about it and you you know want to include it in your day versus that constant cue in your environment prompting you to eat.
1: Yeah, and I think your point there is like really important, Courtney, in the sense of it's okay to have these foods, yeah. but we don't want to just be having them because we see them and then that's why we're eating them. We want to have them because we actually want them mm-hmm. and we're going to enjoy them. Um, so. Like you said, Courtney, it's like maybe it's not about not having the potato chips in your house. It's have them in the house, but have them somewhere that you're not seeing them every single day so that when you want them, you can actually get them and enjoy them. Hmm. A little more intention behind it. Exactly.
0: Tip number five is to curate your social media. So we've maybe all heard quotes along the lines of your diet being more than what you eat. It's the information you take in. And I think for a lot of us now, social media is shooting out a lot of information. And so we want to be careful in curating it in a way that's supportive of our health and wellness. So, I mean, maybe it's supportive for you to follow different accounts that have, you know, different recipe ideas that get you excited to cook and get in the kitchen. But maybe there's other accounts that, you know, aren't supporting the, the choices you're making, whether that be related to food or or otherwise. Um, So that could be something to think about when you're curating your environment. It's not just your physical environment, but it's your social environment and your social media environment. And this is a pretty big topic and something that maybe would be helpful for us to delve into um, all on its own. Do a whole podcast episode. So if you have any accounts that you love following that are really supportive of your wellness and your health or maybe have awesome recipe ideas, definitely shoot us a message on Instagram. I'm at dietitian Courtney underscore um, and Hannah and Darian are the same at uh, dietitian Darian underscore and at dietitian Hannah underscore. So if you have accounts you love following, maybe just shoot us a message and that's something that we could integrate into an upcoming social media uh, Mm -hmm. podcast episode.
1: Okay, so in the second part of this podcast, we are going to jump into why banning foods from your environment doesn't work. So when people consider curating their environment to make more healthful choices, they start to think about what they might need to cut out or what they need to leave out of their environment. But what we know is that cutting out foods from a diet um, or from your environment typically backfires and leads us to overdoing it or overeating when we actually do get a chance to have those foods. So this topic we talk about is called, or the concept, I guess, is food habituation. So essentially what food habituation means is that the more a person is exposed and gives themselves permission to eat a food, the less desirable that food becomes. Um, And therefore, it's a lot easier to have it in moderation. So there's quite a bit of research on this area, and I think we're going to dive into a whole podcast about food habituation in more detail and kind of the science and psychology behind it. But from just a practical perspective, this is why we don't want to get rid of foods totally from our environment, because we can kind of create a golden halo, sometimes I'll call it, or we put foods on a pedestal. And then when we do get the opportunity to eat that food, then it's like kind of... For lack of a better term, all hell breaks loose because we're like, well, we never are getting this food ever again and we haven't had it in so long. And so everything is just firing in your body on all, on all cylinders versus if it's something that you have frequently, um, kind of that novelty is another word we talk about in this area, starts to decrease.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have had clients share and actually I have experiences with this as well in my past where maybe I've carefully curated my environment to be super supportive of like whatever goal I was working towards but then all of a sudden you know entering other environments social environments or you know maybe going home to your parents house or your grandparents house where these foods that you've been restricting yourself from are suddenly available you maybe feel scared to be around them or you know the Word or the term clients often say is I feel out of control Mm -hmm. around this food. So, Hannah, how would someone maybe use this uh, concept of food habituation to build more confidence in being in these different social environments?
1: Totally. So, you know, when we have different goals in mind, it can be really scary for us to have these foods in our environment more often, but that's actually the answer to it. So, you know, Sometimes we can think of the example of holiday eating when we did our holiday episode. And sometimes those foods are really foods we overdo it on. And, you know, part of it is normal because they are awesome tasty foods around Christmas and we're enjoying ourselves. But part of it definitely is too is some of those foods are kind of, you know, more or less off limits throughout the year, and so when we do get that opportunity, we overdo it. So, you know, having those those foods whatever it is, maybe it's a type of baking that you always overdo it on. Maybe you get the recipe and you bake it, you know, a couple times a month and you have it there. Or maybe it's like potato chips that you never have in your house and maybe you keep those potato chips in a cupboard that's not, you know, right at eye level, but it's there. And so and giving yourself permission to have them when you really want them.
0: Yeah. And something I've shared with clients, like they'll often say, but what if I overdo it? What if I overeat? Um, And it's like, you actually might like that. Mm -hmm. You probably will. But the more you expose yourself to it, the more confident, I guess, you'll be around the food. But like Hannah said, it's really that novelty decreasing so that you can enjoy it in moderation or feel more confident enjoying it in moderation,
1: Totally. And it's like the self-trust piece is something I talk a a lot about with clients, right? Is like, oh my gosh, like I don't trust myself around Mm -hmm. these foods. And it's like, well, you haven't actually given yourself an opportunity. And so where we can dive into this topic so much is really that we are thinking about not just that moment of when we're eating the food. So... When we think about some foods that we might overdo it on a lot, we kind of have to take that whole step back. So maybe, you know, it's like been a long day. Maybe you were busy. You skipped lunch at work. You got home and you're starving. And then it's like, you know, quote unquote, your willpower, I'm using air quotes here, um, is at an all time low. And that's when the bag of chocolates on the counter. Um, And then, you know, you feel like you always overdo it on chocolate, but it's like, look at the bigger picture. Worried would you overdo it if we ate balanced foods throughout the whole day if it was something maybe we were even doing with people that we really enjoy and it was more of an experience um, and there was more things going on than just oh my gosh I'm eating this food that I don't give myself permission to eat and of course I'm going to overdo it without actually even giving yourself a chance to have a different experience around it mm-hmm. yeah I can really relate to
0: that like identifying as always being the person who would overdo it it's like I remember my mom's the type of person who's just like really balanced in her approach to all kinds of different foods like she's just really mindful never really overdoes it but still enjoys a great variety of foods and it's like oh that's just her personality Mm -hmm. that's who she is that's not who I am I'm always going to be the one who can't control herself around whatever food it is but like Hannah said I never gave myself a chance to you know eat those foods or expose myself Mm -hmm. to them and I've had great success with mm-hmm. using this concept in my own life. And I know a lot of clients have as well, but it's a very scary concept to jump into if maybe you've never given yourself that chance before. Yeah.
2: So what would you say to someone who might be listening and think, oh, like dietitians are recommending a quote unquote junk food
0: diet? That's an awesome question, Darian, and I bet there's people listening right now thinking the exact same thing. Um, But from my personal and professional experience, um, it never really worked for me, and it hasn't really worked for my clients to ban foods, uh, it just leads to overdoing it or hyper fixating on that food. And so I know that by, you know, exposing myself to all different types of foods, I've actually found more consistency mm-hmm. with my nutrition. And I know a lot of my clients have felt the same way. It takes a little bit of work. It's a little mm-hmm. scary um, at the start. But I've found that consistency has really improved my confidence with my nutrition and actually has made me feel, you know, better, healthier, fitter overall because I'm not having... Um, I guess such crazy swings in my nutrition yeah, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, that term on the wig and off the wig yeah. and that's kind of what it felt like. Now I just feel, you know, more consistent and, and confident with how I approach a variety of foods.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think that it's obvious, you know, from even this short conversation on this podcast, that food habituation is a big topic and it is somewhat complicated and it's emotionally fueled, too, for a lot of people because it's very opposite from maybe what they have thought was correct or thought was like what was most beneficial for them. Um, So we will dive into, you know, the science, the psychology and all that in more detail on a later episode.
2: Part three of this podcast, I can't control my environment. Help. <laughs> so kind of piggybacking off this idea of food habituation, we inevitably will find ourselves in environments that we haven't curated. And this is another reason where um, we find banning foods is unsupportive. And having that food habituation, allowing yourself to enjoy those foods throughout your like life Week is really important because that way, when you find yourself in those environments where it's not exactly in your direct control you will find yourself maybe in a more confident place in navigating those foods.
0: Yeah, because unless you plan on living in a bubble, like you're <laughs> going to be in environments that you haven't curated. Like I've had, you know, clients who said, oh, my coworker has, you know, a thing of chocolate mm-hmm. on their desk and I can't help but grab one every time I walk by. Or, you know, maybe I'm at a barbecue and there's, you know, foods that I don't normally yeah. eat and I feel like I just overdo it. And, and I knew. It's kind of similar to what we shared before, but you will be in those environments. So, you know, what can you do to find more balance in those environments? But also kind of as Darian shared, Mm -hmm. this is why it's so important that we're not banning foods in our personal Mm -hmm. environment so that we're not kind of setting ourselves up for failure when we're in those different environments outside of Mm -hmm. our control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it almost becomes a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy for
2: yourself, too, then when you are in those um, new environments or ones that aren't in your control because those foods haven't been allowed in your house. And it's like you already know kind of going into what might happen.
1: Mm -hmm. Totally. And like then it's your opportunity, right? And Mm -hmm. like it's your, oh, this is my opportunity to eat these foods. Yeah. And again, if you kind of get into that all or nothing thinking or the on the wagon, off the wagon, it's like, oh, I'm just, you know throwing out the whole day. So it doesn't matter. And I'm going to enjoy all these foods in one day that I haven't given myself permission to eat for the last six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, well, nobody's going to feel great after that.
0: So we know we'll be around these foods in different environments. So rather than just throwing ourselves in the environment and hoping for the best, there actually are some tips or lifestyle considerations that can help us feel more in balance uh, when we're around these foods that maybe perhaps we weren't comfortable or confident being around in the past. Mm -hmm. So Hannah and Darian, can you jump in with some tips that people consider when they're trying to find balance around maybe these more processed foods?
2: The first one is managing our stress levels. Um, researchers do find that even with a low amount of anxiety or stress, it increases the likelihood that we might turn to these highly processed foods even in the absence of hunger. Mm-hmm. So both acute and chronic stress can impact the amount of these foods that we eat. And finding tools to help manage these stressors and navigate chronic stress can be key when it comes to navigating these environments with success. hmm And there are times even where we work with our clients who identify that they actually have the nutrition knowledge on what to eat and they have those skills to fuel their bodies. But personal stressors um, have been maybe causing some sort of hindrance and they're just that extra navigation required.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I often talk about with clients how food can actually help you manage stress, Um, you know, to a point. We know food makes you feel better. It releases dopamine in your brain, like, totally. Sometimes, you know, the classic, like, having ice cream after a breakup, like, there's a legitimate, you know... Mechanism behind that that makes you feel better. The problem that I talk about with clients is when we run into food being our main coping mechanism Mm -hmm. or our like go to coping mechanism.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found a lot of clients experience a lot of relief when I tell them, hey, it's actually really normal Mm -hmm. to turn to food under stress because, like Hannah said, it can make us feel better, it can actually help to lower cortisol levels. So it's normal. But, you know, working with a therapist or psychologist to find mm-hmm. other tools to navigate stress can then help you feel more confident and consistent yeah. with your nutrition. So you're not, you know, like Hannah said, it's not your food isn't your only tool. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that takes work and it's not, uh, you know, it, it does take some work to create those new tools. But for a lot of people, um, that's the work that they need to do to find uh, more consistency with their nutrition. It isn't actually like building more nutrition knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, other tools to manage stress in their life. Mm -hmm.
1: So another lifestyle factor we think about is sleep. Um, So there are multiple studies that show sleep restriction will lead to an increased intake of highly processed foods. So for example, one study found that just three nights of sleep restriction, the hormone Gremlin, which is your gremlin hormone that makes you hungry, People would eat like over 300 calories extra the next day on average and most of those calories were coming from those highly sweet, highly salty snacks. And another study found that teens who reduce their sleep to 6.5 hours a night doubled their intake of those sweets and the desserts compared to people who slept 10 hours per night. Holy, I want 10 hours a night. <laughs> no, I saw that too. Oh, and I'm like, I guess they're teens. Teenagers, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, we talk about this a lot with clients of how sleep really impacts mm-hmm. um, kind of our full day, but also when we don't get energy we need from a restful night's sleep, yeah. our body automatically is going to for energy from another Mm -hmm. source which is food Um, and I often use example of I mean pre throwing it back to a couple years ago um, I would always find this on travel days like if I had to wake up early for a flight and I had like only a few hours of sleep like I was ravenous that day and I mean that wasn't you know a fault of my own it was literally like my body being like oh no we need need to make up for your poor sleep and we need energy.
0: And some studies even show, so they'll take MRIs and look at the brain, and when we're sleep-deprived and then we eat um, these more highly processed foods, um, the pleasure centers in the brain are more strongly activated. So it just feels better to eat these mm-hmm. foods when you're sleep-deprived. So really the tip here is Do you really need to restrict the foods in your environment, or maybe you know, focusing on sleep would help you feel in better balance around these foods and feel more comfortable and confident being around them because you're better able to regulate your appetite. Um, when you're around these Mm -hmm. foods. Mm -hmm. So the third lifestyle consideration is understanding satiety. So this is actually like a little bit of nutrition knowledge to consider when you're navigating more highly processed foods. So if we think of highly processed foods, they're typically energy dense Mm -hmm. for their weight. So just as a comparison, like a hundred grams of strawberries might have forty calories, compared to a hundred grams of potato chips that might have over five hundred calories. So this isn't de- get to get too focused on numbers, but just the concept of the energy density Mm -hmm. in these foods. So if we can start to understand how different foods can offer more volume or even help to increase satiety because of their protein, fiber, and fat content, we can be really strategic in how we're building these more highly processed foods into our day so that we're not just feeling so hungry when we Mm -hmm. eat them, which... In that case, it would make sense that we would overconsume them because it takes a, big, a, a large volume of mm-hmm. them essentially to feel full. Um, so a tip that we often share with clients if they're maybe um, just starting to embrace some of these highly processed foods back into their environment is to consider building them as part of a meal. Yes. So maybe let's say that um, you're having pizza for lunch. Could you kind of build different food groups into the meal that help you feel more full and satisfied? So maybe you're building in a salad or some raw vegetables with your pizza. So you're getting that volume from the vegetables to contribute to your fullness alongside still enjoying that pizza.
1: Totally. And another example would be like if you're looking to enjoy a donut from the staff room or the break room, maybe you're eating it after lunch versus on an empty stomach. Um, And so, you know, this idea of not saving up calories if you're going to be eating something that's a bit more highly processed or especially a food that you don't feel like Mm -hmm in control around um it's like okay hey, well why don't we set ourselves up to actually enjoy that food in moderation because mm-hmm. we are satisfied from our lunch but now we're just going to enjoy something that we just want to enjoy Does
0: yeah that make sense? Mm-hmm. yeah for lack of a better word you might feel you have more control yeah. around the food um Because you've built it, like Hannah said, into a meal where your blood sugar is supported. Mm -hmm. Um, Your stomach, you know, has a good variety and a good mix of different foods, including Mm -hmm. maybe some volumes from some fruits and vegetables. Um, So I think it's a really great stepping stone into feeling more comfortable around these these different foods that we've touched about through the podcast Mm -hmm. i actually did that the other day with some
2: mini eggs i have a kind of a yogurt bowl every night as a snack and i had my yogurt threw some berries in there some peanut butter and i threw some mini eggs in there (laughs) as well and it was perfect yeah
0: So this tip that we're sharing to like build these more highly processed foods as part of a meal with, you know, we always talk about volume and protein and healthy fats and fiber. It's a really great tip, but think of it as a tool in your nutrition toolbox. It's not a rule that you have Mm -hmm. to follow. So I know for me, sometimes I'm just throwing down on, you know carrot cake like I shared earlier on and I'm just eating it I'm not having vegetables Mm. with it I'm not having protein with it I'm not like adding extra fruit with it but I'm just eating it and that's totally okay Um, but really just use this tip as a tool if you're you know looking to maybe find more balance with these types of foods because you're prone to feeling like you overeat them this can just help you um, increase the satiety that you experience as you eat them so you don't Physiologically, feel like you need to eat so much to get full.
1: Yeah, I often use, I guess, the metaphor with clients of eating enough and actually meeting your body's basic needs from a nutrition standpoint is like putting your armor on. And then, once your armor is on, then you can kind of fight the battle that is the psychological, emotional piece around your eating. But if we're not actually meeting our body's basic needs, To put it bluntly, we have no hope in hell of eating any foods in a more balanced way.
0: Yeah. And kind of as you shared earlier in the podcast, Hannah, like if you haven't eaten for five hours, you get home from work, there's chocolate on the counter. It might not be so much of a food relationship issue as it is you're hungry, your blood sugar is low, like you probably waited too long to eat. So um, I think there's a lot of, you know, putting that armor on and understanding how to support yourself through the day can make it easier to tackle these more emotional Mm -hmm. battles when it comes to food. Totally. So through today's podcast episode, we discussed how your food choices are influenced by cues in our environment. Our key takeaway for you is to intentionally craft your environment in a way that makes supportive habits easier and unsupportive habits more difficult. We also recommend that you build or maintain a trusting relationship to all foods through food habituation and by taking an inclusive approach to all foods in your environment. We also shared some tips to live in better balance around more processed foods by managing appetite and satiety signals through stress management, getting enough sleep, and balancing meals with volume foods, protein, fiber, and healthy fats. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support the podcast by sharing it with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or anyone that you feel would benefit from the tips and perspectives we shared to build a supportive environment. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, follow us on social media using the links in our show notes or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well.
2: Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.